Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I got Chris and Uriah here. Hey guys, how are you guys enjoying the weekend so far? Doing good. All good over here. You guys, the quiet before the storm, which will be media day tomorrow. Hopefully you guys will be, our listeners will be listening to this on their way to work before media day. Um, So we're just going to go ahead and jump right into it, right Chris? Yeah. I mean, it's not a Sixers pod if we don't talk about Ben Simmons first. So we've had some more news in in that ongoing saga. Shams Charania of The Athletic reported that Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibel, and some of the Sixers players were planning to fly out to L.A. this week to meet with Ben and convince him to stay on the team. But Ben told them not to come and that he's not going to change his mind. Um, the report said that basically Ben views some of his former teammates slash current teammates as friends and that he didn't want them to make, you know, the commute out to L.A. for a fruitless endeavor, basically. So what do we think about Simmons' unwillingness to communicate with his teammates? What's What was our first reaction to that, Lucas? Well, I mean, before I got the details on him, my first reaction was, oh, he doesn't want to be tried to be talked out of sitting out. That, that, that was my initial thought, and then I read the extra one, extra part about, you know, him not telling them that he's not going to change his mind. I don't know if that would be the case if they actually showed up. Who knows? Uh, but this is on par about Ben not willing to, you know, budge once he's made a decision in regards to whether or not working on a shot or, you know, sitting out until he gets traded. This is totally on Ben's, on par with Ben sticking with his guns, and... I'm not surprised, but I mean, I was surprised by it, but at the same time, I what you know, like there's that initial shock, but then when you actually think about it, it's like, okay, no, I can see it now. I can see it. At this point, Ben's going to do everything in his power to make things uncomfortable and to force Philly's hand. Um, as we sort of mentioned last week on the pod with John, I, I don't think there's any chance of Ben showing back up unless the Sixers hold on to him past the trade deadline. If that, if that's what Daryl Morey is willing to do to try to force Ben to come back, then maybe we get to a point where, you know, it has to happen for him so he can get paid. But until then, Ben's, you know, Ben's not showing up. It's it's about as simple as that. I mean, I, I really don't have a ton more to add on to that. Mm-hmm. Brian Windhorst of ESPN later reported that Simmons, he had, he had something to say about the fans, basically. He said that Ben probably was never going to show his face. That was the quote that Brian used in Philly again, that that is certainly factoring into his decision. Um, what are our thoughts on that, Lucas? Well, Do you well, buy it? I, I certainly buy it, but let me backtrack here because I forgot to mention something. The other thing I think Ben, what what this does with Ben telling his teammates not to come, it solidifies in their mind that 
he's he's gone. Like there's no chance of him coming back. They need to focus on how they're going to be a successful team without him, especially guys like Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton. That being said, going to Windhorse's point, I totally believe it. That Ben has it, it, we always reference back to that Jackie McMullen piece and in it, you know, Ben did show times when he was a child about being shy about playing in, you know, in front of people. And so with a fan base that basically and to an ex, to, to to probably about 95% justifiably so is infuriated with Ben if not 100% so. So him not wanting to show his face, not w- wanting to take on that backlash, that's that's on par f- of who Ben is as a person. He he doesn't like to be conf- he he's non-confrontational from what we've seen so far and he doesn't like backlash he doesn't like being booed so i mean this it doesn't surprise me i think this is true i think i mean brian one horse knows his stuff and i think this is on point for sure i mean to the first topic and this topic merging them together what hit me guys was it hit me and i said wow just when you think things can't get any worse not only does he not want to talk to his teammates, he doesn't want to have anything to do with the fans, which I don't blame him considering how much heat he's gotten from the Philly fans. But I think you're right, Lucas. It's it's over. It's done. There is no turning back. And at this point, it's looking ahead. What are we going to get in return? Hopefully it's something of value. But it, it just seems mm-hmm. like it, there's always something coming that um, we kind of expect but like we think it's a possibility, but we don't think it actually would happen. That's what you're saying. And I can't, and I can't imagine these guys making this up. I mean, whether it's Shams Mm. or Windhorse, this is legit. This is a legit report in my opinion. Yeah. And and to piggyback off of what your eye said about the only thing, and this is what Stephen A. Smith reported. The only thing that seems of value on the table right now is Portland's offer of CJ, CJ McCollum and, Covington plus picks that's the only thing that uh, is rumored to be available and that's a definite okay that's a that's a, um, that's pretty close to fair value for Ben even if his value wasn't diminished that that's close so yeah I, I think yeah. the way Uriah he phrased it in our agenda as like Simmons turning his back on the fan base and I, I think that's an interesting way to look at it because, like, I think that's true, sure. But, like, warranted or not, and it's totally warranted for Philly fans to, like, turn their back on Ben, but they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a two-way street. If Philly fans are going to, like, cast Ben out of the city, I don't see any reason how they could, like, expect him to, like, kiss their heels as they walk away. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, I, I was there, Chris when he was struggling at the line in game five in the entire arena, 18,000 plus every time he dribbled the ball, okay. at the foul line, we clapped for him. And I don't want to, he's making it seem like we're like, we want All him right, to but, leave, but we never wanted him to succeed. That's BS. I think what Chris is saying is after, the after the game, game five and after game seven is totally different. Like it's not the same. We were all on Twitter after game seven. We were all on Instagram we all know what every fan has been tweeting out and saying 
We've all listened to sports radio over the summer. Like, Philly wants nothing to do with Ben Simmons. They obviously wanted him to succeed in the moment, but as soon as Game 7, as soon as that buzzer sounded and they lost, and everyone started replaying that Ben pass under the basket, it was done. People were done with Ben. And I, I think it's only fair, really, that he's probably done with Philly and the fans. Like, Do you think this is a place of being done, or is this a place of fear? I, I don't think it matters. Why why would he not? I, th- I think it does matter to an extent. You think fear, I think it does come up for his safety? Is that what you're talking no, about? No, no, no. Fear of the ridicule of all the the booze and sure, everything. Like, for his mental all, well-being. I mean, obviously he's mentally fragile to an extent. And <laughs> I mean, that's just, I don't think that's fair. Like Philly has been throwing him under the bus all off season. What else is he supposed, how else is he supposed to react? Hey guys, ever been trimming downstairs and cut yourself? Not a good feeling at all. The question is, how can you prevent pain and discomfort while grooming yourself? Well, I'm here to remind you about Manscaped with their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. It features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 4000K LED spotlight that you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And it's even waterproof so that you can trim in the shower. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and handle your trimming needs in a convenient and safe way by going to manscaped.com. Go to manscaped.com right now for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. And now, back to the podcast. I mean, you could take a the page out of Joel's book. Joel literally Guys, said how you're honestly, supposed to react. If Ben posted an apology, like we've talked about on the pod before, if he said, I'm sorry and I got to do better, and he put it on Instagram, do we really think that changes anything? Like, honest to God, do we think the fans... I, I, think, point? Be, I think there would be a, a section of fans that would certainly take that into account. There's still a section of fans who are like, hey, guys, be nice should have been. But, like, do we think that... Are you part of that fan base, though, Chris? No, but I, I'm like, <laughs> I understand why he wants out. I like, mean, none of us... Both ways. Disagreeing why he wants out. Billy clearly it's... wants him gone. And mm-hmm. It's only right that he wants to leave. It's clear the fan base doesn't want him. The team doesn't want him. Why would he want to so be Chris, there? Chris, you phrased the question as if he did put an apology out there, would that make a difference? For me, and I've been probably the biggest critic of Simmons, if he would have done something like that, even after what happened in Game 7, I probably would say, all right, let's see what he can do. Let's, mm-hmm. let's give him one well, yeah, okay. let's give him you one were, more chance. You're right. You were calling for Ben Trades last season during the I season. mean, but that doesn't mean that you wouldn't that just so because you're calling I mean Darren Morey was trying to I trade him to stop being yeah. a robot. I want him to wear his emotions on his sleeves like AI did, like Bryce Harper's doing right now. Like Joel Embiid. Exactly. And he does not show that. He is, does okay. not have the maturity. He apologized and said he needed to be better oh, in his God. post-game interview. But he also said, oh, how many assists did I have? Did I shut down Trey Young? So that he's okay. talking well, about. He and then he was also, he also said, Chris, I am who I am. It is what it is. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I think, for me anyway, pushed me over the edge on I'm done with Ben was that. It wasn't the play. It wasn't that. It was that he was unapologetically himself to the point where he, it almost seemed like he was not 
arrogant or cocky, but content with being less than what he could be. And for Philly, for a blue collar town like Philadelphia, Chris, that's unforgivable. Am I wrong, Uriah? In 2000, Iverson almost got traded to Detroit. Mm-hmm. And that alone made him like fearful. He's like, man, I really want to come back and do right by the fans. I want to do right by the team. And he did. He went to the finals the next season. Ben, and Ben's never, never really did. embraced the fan base okay. now that I think no about way. it. He's he, never he's never really he's never like played. Joel's embraced the fan okay, base. Jimmy Butt. Come on, Chris. Ben's come on. Doing the emoji thing before games. That's about that's him, about man. him. That's ben not for the fans. The PR fan service statements during interviews. Dude. Like that's not really come on. I'm telling you, he has never played for the fans. He's never played for the cities. Like even Jimmy Butler played for the fans. Like, I mean, you, you, got, tell. you guys are just making assumptions about what he's thinking at this point. Actions speak no louder than words, Chris. Actions speak louder than words. He's been playing as hard as anyone on the team. Not saying that he's not, but is what he doing it for the fans? But is he doing for the fans, or is How he doing it know? for himself? You have no clue. There's no way but, to know. But, but here's the thing, Chris. He's never tried to hype up the fans. Yeah, he might have done That's a nostril flare after after That's a game, not true. after a dunk. He's, or Yes, he has. Like that. If we go back through all the tape, um, he has. That's happened before. He's done like motions to the crowd. That, that, that's, I, I don't know. Happened. You're it's right. Rare My main point is like, the there's, I understand why Philly has turned on Ben. Rightfully so. They, he deserves it. Sure. But and we're not saying that he shouldn't be done with the fan base. What I'm saying is I think he's doing it because he's a fr- not, not physically afraid for his well-being or anything. But emotionally, like, I don't think he can handle the backlash of that fan base anymore. That's what I think. I don't think emotionally he can handle it. Well, I think Chris is well, right in that. It just makes sense. Chris says it makes sense that he doesn't want anything to do with Philly anymore. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. I, I, yeah, yeah, that no, makes sense. I'm just saying the reason why. He's supposed to do at this point. He wants a trade. He has every right to want a trade. The fan base is done with him. What else is he supposed to do? I mean, Chris, but the thing is, this sets up a bad precedence. And we talked about this in previous podcasts about he's four years still under contract. He can't be asking for a trade. It's a bad precedence. It's going to hurt the players union when they go back to the CBA negotiations, whenever that is. Again, I'm not sure off the top of my head when that is, but that's this is a bad. It's him sitting out, sitting out. And that's that's the issue here. It's not that he shouldn't want to leave, but it's the fact is is that CBA, you know, that like that has no bearing on my life. It does. I mean, it has a bearing on how the league operates, though. Philly has been trying to trade him. Like, let's just put it honestly. Philly, yeah, they they have. They haven't. They've been been trying to trade him since Maury got there. That's not the issue. The issue is no matter no, but Chris, you know how many players have been tried that teams tried to trade and then they come back and they play anyway. Okay, but they don't have the same leverage as, as like an all star, you know. Yeah, but Ben is four them. years under contract. He has no leverage. We've talked about the fact that he has no leverage. Him he sitting has out the, the leverage, seat. he's about to force a trade. So clearly he has some leverage. He's not gonna force the trade. That's the thing. Maury's not gonna Maury's the one GM he's, that's not gonna buckle under this type of pressure. The only reason Ben Simmons is gonna get traded before the trade deadline is because he's holding out right now. Nah. The team has clearly not found something of value for him after his player performance. I don't think he gets traded. I think if this drags on into December, the commissioner gets involved. I'm on team Missinelli. He said on the radio, it was the perfect analogy. He said, he said, let him sit in wilt like tobacco in the Cuban sun and he will not play 
we will wait for the perfect trade, whether it's Dame or Beal. Just let Maxi get minutes. I mean, let these young guys play. I don't think Ben's going to be missed that bad that much. And they're still going to get a lot of regular season wins because they have Joel Embiid on the team. Like, they might not be a top three team in the East, but they'll still be a top six team in the East. Yeah, that's fine. But if they're the sixth seed, they're out in the first round, and they're screwed without Ben in the playoffs. Like, I know the second round, like, like if without Ben, they're not getting past the first round. But like you just said earlier in the podcast, if it gets past the trade deadline, Ben's coming in to play. So it doesn't matter. Maybe. Maybe. It's Maybe he sits out. the trade deadline. Because it's just not. Because he's sitting out. And they can't take that risk, frankly. Because Joel's prime isn't going to last forever. So Ben does, like, maybe not as much as James But Harden the thing is, Chris, year. like I said, the commissioner is going to get involved before the trade deadline. That's the, that's the – yes, he is. Adam Silver can do. The, uh, can excuse me. He's the commissioner of the league. He could – Fine. He could suspend Ben from playing even after he gets traded. He could get traded. He'd be like, "Okay, Ben, you can't play X number of games because that's how many you okay, sat out, but... or you get suspended for a oh, year or whatever." No, guys, he could Adam though. Silver he could has to act within the CBA. He can't just go out in left field. And, and but guess does. what? Ben is violating the CBA by not by not performing for the team. Okay, but that's just a hypothetical that I I truly do not believe will happen. Like, if it happens, it happens, and I'll eat my words. Adam Silver's not going to jump in here. I, I truly just don't think he will. I, I think there's already. a lot of national media pundits that would disagree with you, Chris. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, I'm like, I don't care what someone like Kendrick Perkins says. You know? I'm not saying Kendrick Perkins. I'm talking about... Stephen A., Max Kellerman. Uh, I don't care. I'm not talking not about those guys. guys. I'm talking about the real basketball heads like Wynn Horse and Zach Lowe. None of them have and, mentioned Silver stepping in. Not a single... Uh, 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 Zach Lowe has. Zach, Zach Lowe definitely has. My point stands, I think Silver will get involved. I think that he will get involved and he will find Ben. And I think if it gets to a point, he will find or possibly suspend Ben once he does decide that he wants to okay. return. Does Ben care about getting suspended or find more? I mean, eventually it's going to hurt his pocket or who knows he might be put. I mean, I don't know. I don't think the NBA has this, but it could be a version of like the NFL's. It could Adam Silver might have to create something like that for Ben Simmons. It's not a good look. But he can't just create it out of the blue. He doesn't have that power. I mean, yeah, I, I haven't read the CBA, so I don't know. I could be wrong, but I mean, he, I, you're right. Your thoughts on this? <laughs> I, I'm not as familiar with the CBA. I'm sure Chris has read it three times over. But... And here's the other thing, Chris. This is not a good look for the players' union either, and I'm pretty sure they would try to get involved too. Because this is going to hurt them for negotiations. Here's the irony: the new president's going to be the guy he gets traded for, <laughs> CJ McCollum. <laughs> you know that. Yeah. Right? You know he's going to be the new president. Yeah, yeah. Well, they also Look. are going to have a new uh, top lady. Um, what's her? Michelle Roberts is stepping down. They got a new person coming in. Right. She was a lawyer with a Chicago firm. I want to say. I'm not sure. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, they got every. Everything's turning over in the players' association. Look, um, my my general point here is that you you can't have your cake and eat it too. If you're Philly, like you can't try to trade the guy multiple times. You can't. The fan base can't cry for him to get traded for months at a time and then get mad when he tries to force that and get out. Like, 
we can be mad at him for not producing and not getting better and for failing the team multiple years in a row. That's fine. But you can't really be mad at him for trying to leave. I, I, I just don't know how you can do that. I, Chris, the, 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 the issue is, okay, let's just get him to leave. The, the issue is, okay, if Ben's in the last one or two years of his contract, okay, fine. He has every right. We've accepted that that's an okay situation. If Adam four. Silver wants to step in, he can. I don't know why we as fans should care about the CBA. I don't think Ben should and tell it he has to. Like, that stuff doesn't affect us. And it, like... I mean, we're just talking about what the con- possible consequences of Ben sitting out, and that could be one of them. I mean, sure, but... Okay, that's that's all I'm saying is that, that it could, and I don't think it's going to get to the point where you're saying that him sitting out is going to make Philly want to trade him. Phil, if Philly wanted... If Philly... There's already enough pressure as is to trade him. If they wanted to do a quick trigger trade, they could have done it months ago, but they're not. And let's talk about um, Matisse Thibault's recent appearance on JJ Reddick's podcast, The Old Man and uh, what is it called? The Old Man and Three? Or is it the. Yeah, the I think old it's The Old Man and Three. three. Reddick, of course, recently retired, former Sixer. So, you know, he was in the locker room with Ben and Joel in the early years. And uh, so when Thibel came on, you know, he had this quote, and let me read it now to you. I made the foul that lost us the game, and I received almost no back backlash. There was, there was a little bit on Twitter, but Ben, but the Ben hate was so much louder. So let me ask you guys this. Are we surprised that Thibel tried to absorb some of the blame for the game lost seven against Atlanta? when compared to the criticism that Ben took? Uh, look, I don't want to keep sounding like some like Ben Simmons apologist because I'm as annoyed as everyone else, I promise. I'm, I'm fed up too. Um, but like Matisse is right. We, that foul happened. We all remember the foul, right? Like mm-hmm. Matisse pretty much wrapped a bow on that game with that foul. Like any hope Philly had of, pulling that out in the end was dashed when Matisse found a guy behind the three-point line. Like, Matisse Matisse deserves some blame for that. And at the end of the day, it is a team game. Like, Ben obviously is has a big part to play in that series loss. A lot of the blame is on him. We can say, oh, if he made his free throws, they win the game. But, oh, if Joel doesn't have 16 turnovers in the last two games, they probably also win. If Matisse doesn't make that foul, maybe they also win. Like, there are other points that you can go to where the Sixers messed up. It was not all Ben. Ben was a big part of it. Ben has consistently been a problem in the playoffs. They're trying to trade him, and that's fine. They should. He's gone. Great. Okay. But, like, Matisse is right. There, there were other factors in the loss, and I, there's just we can't deny that we can't rewrite history. I'm surprised you didn't bring up Doc Rivers. Doc coached a <laughs> crappy series. He did. He did. Part in it too. Yeah, that did play a part of it. I mean, also Dwight Howard being unplayable in that series kind of sucked. Yeah, um, the Sixers could have won that series with Ben completely no showing. Like or Ben at center involved. Ben at back backup center. Yeah, yeah. I mean, heck, Tyrese Maxey had a couple good games. Even Shake Milton saved the day once. I mean, we could you know we can we can crap it's... on Shake Milton all we want, but outside of the you know besides a 
a poor first round and mostly poor second round. He did have a career year. Let's not act like he didn't. But, you know, anyway, not the point here. The point is, is that, yeah, I, you know, there are other mitigating factors. Doc Rivers, Matisse, Joel being injured and obviously running out of gas at the end of the last, like, two or three games. I mean, there was a layup that Ben uh, Joel could have hit. And I, was it game four or five? I can't remember, but he had a layup. He had an easy layup, but he didn't get enough lift lift on it, and it rimmed out because he couldn't get enough enough uh, lift on it. That was the game you know, in Atlanta, I think. Yeah, I think that would be game four then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they could have they could have gone up three one in that at that, that point, and it would have been done. But you know, we could have looked at all these mitigating factors. The, like you said, Chris. Yeah, it was mostly on Ben. We're not going to sugarcoat it. But there were other mitigating factors. You lose it as a team. You win it as a team. You lose it as a team. But if one of your core players is underperforming, not just underperforming, just straight up sucking at times on offense, not defensively. Defensively, I have no complaints about Ben's series. Okay, but like Tobias was just as bad in Game 7, for example. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know. He's and a that's core player. I mean, yeah. But as, as, a whole, as a whole, that, points. as a whole, as a whole, Tobias had a pretty good series. He had as a whole playoffs. He had a pretty, he had a pretty good, good playoff. Play. This is by far Tobias's best playoffs because it's yeah, two he previous was trips. Washington, because Washington has zero defenders on their team. Okay, and for the most part, he did pretty good against John Collins. He had what one or two bad games. Yeah, one or two bad games. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I mean, in a seven-game series against a, a defender like John Collins, who is no scrub on the defensive end, that. Hey, you know what? I'll take that from Tobias, considering that he was a no-show in that Toronto playoff series. And his other previous stint, I think, was with, what, the Pistons? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take that from Tobias. So Lucas, I'm, all, surpri- all. I'm surprised because it's not like Ben is LeBron or he has this cachet. Yeah, he was an all-star for a couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. But um, as a, as a whole with the series, he completely disappeared on the offensive side of the ball. It was it was one of the worst playoff performances I've ever seen from any mm-hmm. player. And I'm not even talking about free throws. I'm talking about going in a corner, being afraid to shoot the damn ball. Excuse my French. And I, I get it. They're teammates. You know, they're, they're they spend so much time together. He probably looks up to Ben in some aspect. They're both from Australia. But dude, Thibel makes such a, a fraction of what Ben makes. Ben is the second highest paid player and he stunk for an entire series. Trey Young mm-hmm. still was averaging like 28 and 10 on him mm-hmm. on the best defender in the league. So I'm surprised that Thibel would stick up for him <clears throat> when he's such a young player and you only expect him to do but so much. Okay. When you think about Matisse, he is like not just a good basketball player, but one of those genuinely sincere human beings that really just wants the best for people like you see it in his uh and they made fun of me guys for this off the air but i'm gonna say just to get kicks and gills vlog yeah that's right <laughs> vlog vlog whatever you want to call it kids these days anyway um but like you know so yeah i'm not surprised by doing it and here's the other thing we have to remember matisse is only in his second season like, I know that's hard to think about because he's so polished defensively, but he's still in his second season, and he's still learning how to play NBA defense on some level. He is not in his prime. Ben is. Ben is in his prime. He's been in the league for – he's played four seasons, been in the league for five. Like, he he's at his peak probably right now defensively. I, offensively, obviously not there, but, like, 
defensively, like Matisse is still growing. It's still right. learning the game. So uh, that's that's where I think some fans will are forgiving of Matisse in that regard. Sure. And I agree with that. Like Matisse doesn't deserve some irrational amount of hate for that foul. Um, but I do think it's interesting because it kind of ties back to our last discussion point where it's pretty clear that the fan base was kind of ready to turn on Ben because they ignored everything else as soon as game seven ended. Like we didn't have five podcasts worth of discussions about Embiid's turnovers. We didn't have a conversation about Matisse's foul. We never talked about any of that. We did talk about Doc Rivers' bad coaching. We talked about Doc because he's a terrible coach. (laughs) Oh my gosh, stop it. Stop it. And we talked about Ben because that's where everyone went. Again, deservingly so. Like, Ben has brought a lot of this upon himself, if not all of it. It's like a bad – this feels like a breakup, guys. And I think I said this last podcast, but it feels like a breakup. (laughs) Any other – like, if Ben did not exist, the only talking point on Twitter after that Game 7 would have been Matisse's foul. Mm -hmm. That would have been what everyone focused on. We'd all be talking about, oh, why did Joel turn the ball over eight times? Or Dox's rotation. Why did Tobias shoot 30% from the field? Those were those would be our conversation points. But because Ben was there and because Ben did what he did, 100% of that energy was focused on Ben Simmons and only Ben Simmons. Fair or not, that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the state of things. Here's and, like, the, Matisse it, is right. Here's that's, the well, best way. I can well, well, hang on, hang on, Uriah. Before you get started, let me let me just say this. Did we – I don't feel like we gave Ben enough credit for that Game 5 win against the Wizards. And maybe, maybe that's. I'm reflecting back now. Did we ever give Ben any love in that playoff in the playoffs on offense? Because he had a pretty good game five against the Wizards, right? Look, man, I don't want pretty good from our second best player. Okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm just. just, maybe, just what, I think what he had like a 22 point triple double or close to it. So, Lucas, here's here's yeah. where I, where I try to break things down for you guys. All right, so with Ben, with any NBA player is there's so much trust, right? It's like a deposit. You deposit money into the bank and the bank knows that, you know, you're depositing trust and there are only so many withdrawals you can take. And those withdrawals would be mistakes, foibles that you make on the court, even at crunch time, right? So Thibel, he's made a lot of deposits because he's done a lot of really unexpectedly good things as a young player. So for him to make that goof at the end, he had made enough deposits. He had built up credit, guys. Simmons has been taking, he's been taking withdrawals from us for years. He hasn't deposited, but so much. All right. I mean, offensive. So that's why he gets so much heat because he's just withdrawn so much credit from us. And we just had it. It was like, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Sure. But mm-hmm. Ben has been an all-star in the Sixers second most important oh offensive God. player. Chris, don't get me started years. with that. Chris, Chris, okay, Chris, hold up, hold up. Let me use a different All analogy star. here. How much it's it's like, it's, it, no, Chris, it's like a relationship that, you, need you know, you, you, your, your ex says pointers. that they're going to change, they're going to change, they're going to change, and then they do that one last thing that makes you realize, oh, they're never going to change, and that's what happened here. Sure, but that's Ben gave Philly really a, a whole lot more last season than Matisse did. Wait, like, again. Ben was a what? significantly more beneficial player than Matisse Thibault last season. But that's not the point. We know what Ben could already done. Besides the 42-point game against the Utah Jazz, like, he didn't make any offensive deposits this season. And that's what Uriah is saying. Like, I mean, he made all the defensive pot deposits you like. So, if Ben, let's just say Ben had a board. Like, he, had, he was good. He was himself offensively this series. But he was 
horrendous defensively and got burned so many times, like the fan base probably wouldn't have been as upset because he made all those defensive deposits. We're just going to say, oh, he had a bad series. Oh, he had a bad matchup. That's fine. But what we're saying here is that he doesn't have that equity on the offensive end. So when he's not even playing at his own regular level, which was a 15-point-per-game scorer who does not shoot a lot of free throws because he's not great at it, around 60%. And then, uh, by the way, Chris, not only that, but he had a career low in assists this past year. So take that. So, like, his other attributes on offense were being, you know, diminished as well this past season. It wasn't just the scoring. It was the playmaking, too, which is a big part of it, Chris. So I think that's what I think your eye is trying to say. Ben was the Sixers' second most important offensive player last season. He had a down year, sure. And obviously Doc used him in different ways than Brett did. But he was still good offensively. He, he wasn't a bad offensive player during the regular season. Did he grow as much? Again, Philly has every right in the world. I am upset, too, that he has not developed at all since his rookie season. But since his rookie season, he has been a really good player on both sides of the ball. He has been an all-star caliber player since day one. That's He hasn't developed, sure, but he's still been really good the whole time. And I, okay. I, I think it's fair for Matisse to say that, hey, maybe not every ounce of energy should have been focused on Ben and only Ben. Because there were other contributing factors to losing that series. Okay, well, let's let's move on to the next question before we actually move on to the next section here. Real quick, guys, what's more entertaining, Reddick's podcast or Matisse's vlog? Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not like a frequent listener of Reddick's pod. Matisse has only done a few blog, vlogs, vlogs, whatever you want to call them. They're vlogs, too. Um, always and forever. <laughs> I mean, always, I, I always and forever. <laughs> I think the answer is Matisse's thing, but so you would choose that over Matisse's vlogs. That's I think Reddick's pod has like more valuable information. It's contributing more to like the basketball discourse than Matisse's vlogs. But like, I like watching Matisse pack a suitcase and around a hotel. <laughs> I don't know what generation you would be considered, Chris, but that is such your generation. I'm going to say podcast for sure. I love the type of player insight that Reddick gives. Uriah, you want to chime in? Yeah, I can't pick. I like both. It depends, what? But it depends on the mood that I'm in. Like, okay. like Chris, I do enjoy the packing of suitcases. <laughs> you guys are too much for me. But no, actually, he's... He's creative. You don't know what to expect. You don't know because everything. I don't think he scripts anything. He just goes with the flow. He puts his little camera up while he's eating lunch and he's whispering to the to the camera. It's so that's entertaining. But like you guys said, Reddick does have good information for his pods. All right, so we are recording Sunday night. Monday morning is hopefully when you all are listening to this is uh, media day. Training camp starts Tuesday. So we're getting right back into the thick of things now. Lucas, what do we expect out of training camp this week? Obviously, Ben Simmons will not be there by all indications. Do you expect any players to stand out? Do you expect anything Doc says, for example, to stick out? What What are you expecting? Um, well, first off, let me just say I am excited to see how the point guard battle plays out. I want to see who's going to win between Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton, because you brought it up in the last pod, Chris. 
the job could very well go to Shake because he is the more seasoned player experience with that group. Regardless of, you know, he's not nearly as the explosive scorer or athlete that Maxi is, but experience counts for a lot for a coach like Doc Rivers. So I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, anything else that really would stick out to me? I mean, I'm going to play, uh, give Uriah a little bit of service here. I want to see Matisse Thibel jacking up a lot of threes and making them. Because if he does that, then you can start him. You start him, you can play him 30 minutes a night, and guess what? He's probably going to be a top three candidate for defensive player of the year. Yes, that's right, Uriah. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, But besides that, I would like to see if Andre Drummond is actually going to be in shape because last year he was not in shape at all. Um, If he's in shape, this backup center position is going to be solid. If not, well, then, Chris, you might get to see your boy B-Ball Paul. That was a tongue twister for me this time get some run at some point this season all right well if we're gonna make unreasonable requests i'd like to see the uh, stretch five andre drummond uh where, where are the andre drummond threes you know he does that sometimes in training camp and practices i don't know if you've ever uh, seen the videos he's not actually terrible at it during practice anyway yeah. uh, I mean, <laughs> you know we could use more fur on cork dunks in our life um, I think well, that's not a joke. That's that's dead serious, Chris. I, I totally agree um, on that. Look, if Doc gives Shake the starting job, I um might just I might have to buy a Shake Milton jersey. Season. I I might just never watch a game again. But okay. <laughs> um, it it should be Tyrese. If it's not Tyrese, I will be upset. But. But you're making me think. You made me think about it now, Chris, and I'm very upset I know, with you because Doc makes us think about possibilities that should not be possibilities. Um, I agree that people Paul should get a look. I I'm interested to see if there's any conversation around him. Um, probably not because Drummond's there and Doc is going to play Andre Drummond. But I think it's an interesting thought. And word a different coach. Maybe we'd hear more about Paul Reed. Um. Also, Isaiah Joe, you know, he... That's a good one, good yeah. Enough, good enough to make a run at Furcon. I don't think it's going to happen in training camp, but... I think it's going to have to be injury. Injury is going to be the re- way that he's going to get into the rotation, but his play is going to keep him in the rotation. Yeah. Um, those are all names to watch. Um, obviously, Joel is supposedly going to have a full workload. The knee seems 100% from what we've heard, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully it that's how it all plays out. Um, but I'm I'm really excited to see how, how this week goes without Ben. It'll be really interesting and probably a bit annoying. And, you know, we'll be here to recap it next week. <laughs> that's fair. All right. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about media day tomorrow. It's going to open in the morning. Uri, do you know what time Doc and Daryl are like doing their joint conference? I want to say 11 a.m. I think I saw going to be yeah. working. I want to say 11 a.m. You're I right. Be- we're going to be working. We're not going to be able to see it. I believe it's 11 a.m. Um, so that'll be interesting. We've already heard Doc's public comments on Ben Simmons, unfortunately. Um, and we'll probably get some more tomorrow. Um what Daryl says will be especially interesting because he's kind of pulling all the strings as far as the potential trade goes. 
obviously Philly is trying to maintain leverage to the best of their ability while also kind of half-heartedly trying to get Ben to come back, even though he probably won't. So it'll be interesting to see them, um, you know, toe that line. And then, so, so Lucas, did I ask my question? No, you didn't. Who do we expect to be the most and least vocal about the Ben Simmons situation tomorrow well, media day? Least vocal, probably Daryl, to be honest. He, he made it clear after the draft he didn't want to talk about it at all. I don't expect him to answer too many questions regarding it because he's going to say, hey, let's focus on the players. But I don't know who's going to be most vocal, but you know what I would love to hear? I would just love to hear that Joel be like, you know what? I'm done talking about Ben. Let's move on. Because you know what? I think the fan base is ready to hear that from Joel. I think everybody else is ready to hear that from Joel. Now, granted, that's not the best way to get leverage in a Ben Simmons trade, but gosh, just what the fan base needs to hear. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Uriah. Is it what the fan base needs to hear? I, I think so. I, I think... I, I because like come oh, on, putting that much stock into PR statements. As I mean, base. from Joel, yes, of course you do. I oh, would love to hear that, but I doubt that he would do it. Joel. Oh, I know he would doubt. I I doubt it. That's why I said it was a dream. But gosh, <laughs> I would love to hear it. Yeah, it would be nice to hear that from from Embiid, but we know that 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 would never happen. No, they oh. wouldn't, the PR person wouldn't let Joel continue talking after that yeah because then it would because then it would turn into something really big and then they'd have to deal with that for the next three months and then and then like i said also would hurt ben's trade value because if joel doesn't want to play with him anymore exactly you know but gosh i would love just as a fan i would love to hear that but as a front up office person i understand why he should never say that until after the trade happens um yeah but let's go ahead and switch gears now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, 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 Chris. Sorry, no. sorry, 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 sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Look, what's going to happen tomorrow is everyone is going to say they want Ben back. That's what's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> yep. Joel is going to say we still want him back. I love Ben. He's a great teammate. Tobias is going to say I love Ben. He's a great teammate. Matisse is going to say I love Ben. He's a great teammate. Doc is going to say some stupid offhand remark about Trump supporters and we want Ben back. Oh, gosh. Let's not get into that. Daryl is going to either no comment or say we want Ben back, and that's going to be in the end of the day. That's, can, can, that's can we have Mike Scott back? Because I feel like Mike Scott would say, like, F Ben, uh, ben Simmons or something like that. That Mike That's Scott the only reason why I would want back. Mike Scott back. That's the only reason, because I would love that sound bite right there. Because <laughs> let's face it, he would say that, though. And that's why we loved Mike Scott when he first got here. But now he's a he's probably going to retire, and that's probably for the best. But gosh, I, I miss that honesty from Mike Scott. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but yeah, Chris, you're probably right. That's probably what's going to end up happening. Um, but let's go ahead and switch gears now. <laughs> Guys, I think that's the wrong one. <laughs> Keep it in. <laughs> I, I had seen. Keep it in there. Keep your eye. Right, just keep keep it in there. That keep it in there. Should be our permanent transition. <laughs> <Not> bad, <guys. laughs> All right, I'm dropping the ball here. All right, let me let me find my. There we go. All right. All right. Keep it in there. Your eye. I got you. And let's let's talk about Charles Bassey because the 15th guy on the roster is important too. Darn it! And we're gonna talk about him finally getting paid. Now, three year deal. First year is fully guaranteed. Second year, second year has partial guarantees. Third year is not guaranteed. 
So what do we? So Chris, why do you think it took so long for this contract to get done? Um. Well, I mean, I think we know why it took so long. Um. Obviously, Bassey wanted two years guaranteed. The Sixers only wanted to give him one year guaranteed. The story was that Bassey had a promise from a team to get two years guaranteed if he went undrafted. He was telling teams that Philly still took him and then tried to sign him to a one-year guarantee, which he was not having. This seems like a pretty fair compromise. Um, seems like both teams meeting in the middle. Philly gets the flexibility that they want. Bassey's still going to get at least a year and a half worth of money at, at the worst. So it seems like a pretty reasonable um, compromise. No, I mean, yeah, it seems like a compromise. I think part of it was a little bit of the uncertainty of Ben getting traded before training camp. Maybe they were trying to hold off on that a little bit too, but to have raw cat, you know, roster flexibility. But yeah, I mean, it seems like a compromise. You know, I didn't hear about him being promised that, but I mean, I'll trust your sources on that for sure. Um, well, my sources is like a Derek Bonder article. Oh, see, okay, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't have, I don't pay for the Athletic. Um, probably should, but. Not the point here. Um, I, I'm poor. I don't have that much money. <laughs> anyway, um, but no, I mean, yeah, it seems like a fair compromise for sure. I think that's, I mean, I think this is what it was going to lead to anyway. You know, like one year guaranteed, partial guarantees moving forward. I think, I think that was the, and honestly, like most teams should do that with the, you know, with the, with second round picks, you know, not have it fully guaranteed, but not have it fully, you know, give them more than one year to prove themselves. I mean, let's face it, guys. Bassey's going to be in the G mostly this year. And if he's playing on the Sixers, then there's a major problem. Oh, so, I mean, he needs time to develop to, uh, you know, a year to develop in the G league is a good starting place. And who knows, maybe he can crack into the rotation next year. If, you know, they don't bring back uh Philip Pe- Petrusev. Yeah, there we go. Finally got his name, right? Um, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, it is, it is a deal. I'm not a big Bassy fan, but you know, why not give the guy the shot? And you know, if you're gonna draft him, give him some more, more than one year guaranteed. Give him a little bit more money than that. Yeah, I know Lucas has famously said that he would rather DJ Augustine be occupying the 15th spot on the roster. I mean, um, actually, I would prefer Isaiah Thomas, but I don't think okay. that he's coming to Philly. Well, I think there's more value personally and seeing what a young guy can do probably in the G league than letting a 30 year old five, nine point guard with major knee injuries in his past. Okay. But he's dunking the ball now, Chris. Okay. He's he's not going to play a minute next year. I mean, Um, that's just because all the teams are haters on small guys. No, it's because he defend a cone and he couldn't defend when he was in his prime. Yes. And now he's not good enough on offensively to make up the difference. Hey Chris, I think I know why sorry, Lucas. Don't... I know why Lucas is so obsessed with Isaiah Thomas. It's because he, <laughs> he liked one of his Twitter posts. I, get I mean, it. there's I mean, that too. It makes sense to me. I mean, he's a former MVP candidate, and you could have him for the vet mitra, mi, uh, veteran minimum. I mean, there's MVP low risk, high reward. Is a, there is a stretch. Man. He was. He was. What was he? Third he was in the voting. The Fourth? Top 10 MVP candidate, maybe. Man, you probably would have lobbied for Muggsy Bogues to be on the dream team, man. Like, hey, I mean, <laughs> would that not have been entertaining, though? Uh, yeah, would that not have been entertaining? In the words of Gerald Butler, are you not entertained? 
I would have been. That's pretty good. A uh, pretty good grab there for Gladiator. Like no, that. thank you. I, I watch my movies from time to time. Chris Gerard isn't not Butler. the only movie time buff out. here. That is not Gerard Butler. Did you say Gerard Butler? That's Russell Crowe. Oh, I did. Yes. Oh, you're right. You're right. I got the right that. reference. I just got the wrong act. Well, they. To be fair, they look alike. They, they do. do look like they do. No, they I do. think Gerard Butler was more ripped though. He had the abs. Of steel. Well, I mean, yeah, because of three hundred, they had to be. But yeah, spray painted. Yeah, I mean, who know? Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> that's true. Well, they did do some actual training in that movie, but we're getting off topic here. We're talking about Isaiah Thomas. Should it should be the fifteenth player right. on the Sixers Isaiah roster? Isaiah Thomas would not play for the Sixers. Charles Bassey is not going to play for the Sixers. Charles Bassey's future has much more potential value. There's a much greater... Who would you rather as your third point guard? Who would you rather as your third point guard? Grant Riller or Isaiah Thomas? Grant Riller. Grant Riller. That is Every lost from week. the pit of Hades. Grant Riller. Jaden Springer and Grant Riller... Jaden Springer's not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. I can guarantee you they are both better players right now than Isaiah Thomas. I will... I, I am think confident in missed. saying that. He's probably missed more games than Embiid and Simmons put together in the past three seasons. It scoring seventy and some pro am in the middle of 80, eighty-one, eighty-one, just like Kobe. But Who okay, cares? it's I Kobe. care, I care, Chris, and that's the important part. I care, and you get to have your fantasy league. I, I care stuff, but I care about my this. Little sister in one-on-one today. The Sixers aren't going to sign me tomorrow. That's just how life goes. Lucas, you get you know, to really you get to really take a shot at Chris in this next topic. Oh, you're right. I do though, don't I? <laughs> He's, um, not do, like this. <laughs> He's not gonna like this. Do we really think I he has a third do, 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 do you really think that he has a shot to be the third cent, third string center spot over Paul Reed this season, Chris? Um well, we have on the record Doc Rivers saying he doesn't trust Paul Reed at the five. So maybe if Doc Rivers is like Paul Reed is a power forward, then maybe Bassey is the third string center. And Paul Reed is like the third string power forward, which would be stupid. But you never know with this guy. That's my basic approach to everything with Doc at this point. Um yeah. So what you're saying is that Charles Bassey is more likely to be at the Sixers' third string center than Paul Reed. I don't think so. I think if Embiid sits a game, that Paul Reed's going to be the backup five behind Drummond. But you never know. I you can never say for sure. I think Chris is in a little bit of denial here. What do you think, Uriah? It's not denial. It's like Doc has done some truly baffling things in the past, so you can't speak with any certainty where there should be certainty. That's what I'm at. I think, I think he's hanging on to that MVP of the G league thing a little too. And, and mo- one of the, you know, first team all summer league too. You don't can't forget oh, yeah. about that. Cause that, that means something. I, I'd say yeah, they're about Charles Bassey played at Western Kentucky. It's not like he has the greatest resume on planet earth. Weren't you just defending prospect. Charles Bassey like two Charles minutes Bassey ago? Weren't you just defending Charles Bassey saying that he's a prospect that, that should be evaluated and grow grown in the G League? Chris. Yes. Chris, yes. and didn't you say that he when yes. when he was first oh, drafted, didn't you say that he was a first you know, he was a top ten re- no you're top twenty recruit. But you're putting him up against his boy. Bassey so. was a top one recruit. <laughs> he was my number fifty like Something prospect on the board. He reads better. Reed should have been a top twenty pick, probably. 
when all well, is I mean, done, I think that's where he's going to be. I mean, but, you did have Reed redrafted at what, 20th? In I had your redraft? But I don't feel good about it. And if I redid the redraft right now, he'd be in the 20s or the teens. <sighs> My main point here <laughs> is that Doc <laughs> played Shake Milton in game seven of a playoff series. He'll do stuff that doesn't make sense. So it's very possible that Batsy is the third string center. That doesn't mean he should be. That doesn't mean. Hey, Chris, 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 I, I got a twist for you. It's not going to be either one of them going to be the third string center. You know who's going to be the third string center? Hey, the okay. van himself, George's Niang. Oh, small ball. Okay. Uh, I mean, ball. sure. I'm down. I mean, he said that he wants to do it. I could see I could see, I, I could see I could see I could see Doc going to Niang before he goes to Bassey or Paul as the third string center. That's what I, in my heart of hearts I believe that that is a, a more than a 50% chance of happening. Yeah, no, I I think that's possible. Um So that's 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 my thought. Whether it's the right move again. <laughs> I think Paul Reed is a real player, but Clearly, not everyone is. Has, I'm not saying that it because part of part it. of this is hyperbole because I like messing with your guy because I know it messes with you. But in all seriousness, he probably should be the third string center. We'll see if it actually happens. Um, but I mean, like I said, yeah. Charles Bassey deserves to be in G League this year. That he should not. If he's playing for the Sixers, it's a problem. Yeah, Let's, like just to wrap things up here. Yeah. I did name my fantasy team after B Ball Paul. And we're well, technically you used to use the profanity in front of B Paul Paul for your fantasy no, team. But yes. No, I didn't. Football. F B Ball Paul. F ball is football. What mm-hmm. are you talking about? Okay. Profanity. Well, I don't I just don't have a dirty mind like you, Lucas. I I okay, well that's probably true, but that's not the point here. <laughs> I, I I mean I'm not gonna deny it. But, like, come on. You can't call me out on the podcast like that. Anyway. I'm just saying. <laughs> you can't call me out on the podcast like that. Anyway, Chris, go ahead and play us out because I feel called out and, and vulnerable right now. Go ahead and play us out so I can be by myself. the only undefeated team in the league. Um, maybe it's a coincidence, but, you know, maybe not. Um, <laughs> so, as always, to all our listeners – Thanks for tuning in. We're getting to the thick of things again. This is training camp. Preseason's right around the corner in a couple weeks. Then we got the regular season. Basketball is back. We're going to have a lot to talk about with Ben and outside of Ben. So uh, we hope that you keep tuning in. As always, you can follow, subscribe, leave a comment, all that stuff on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, or wherever else you can get a podcast i think <laughs> um yeah we recommend that you do that follow us on twitter at six or cents go to our website um the six or check us out there and until later this week have a good one <laughs>